Did you know that it's possible to raise your littles to want to listen to you without the use of consequences, rewards, and bribes? Hi, I'm Kaylee Zeyer, and this is the Chaos to Connected podcast, where we discuss simple yet effective parenting strategies to manage those pesky behaviors we go to bed at night hoping will be gone tomorrow. We're going to stand up to societal norms of disconnection, shaming, and punishments so we can take a deeper look into our child's heart. It's there you'll find connection, and there where you'll find more peace, obedience, respect, and joy. So what are you waiting for? We know those behaviors aren't going to go away on their own. Let's dive in. Hey there, and welcome to the Chaos to Connected podcast. I am excited to talk with you today. The topic that I want to focus on is nooks and sucking thumbs for kids. And the reason that I want to talk about this probably is because I was a huge thumb sucker. Um, my kids use nooks, and the difference between how I used a nook for my first child and my second child was very different because in that time, I became more aware of some of these connection-focused parent strategies. And I want to touch on them a little bit for those of you who have littler kids because I think it's really something to be aware of. It doesn't mean that, you know, there's something terribly wrong with your child if they suck their thumb. It also doesn't mean that you can't utilize a nook. But I think there are some things that are important to know. So, first of all, let's talk about calming strategies. So when our kids are babies, we usually use something to help them calm down, right? If they're crying a lot of times. So what I find a lot of times is I'll ask mostly in like my polls on Instagram or something like, are you okay with crying? Yes or no. And a large majority of people say yes. But at the same time, I think people don't recognize that even if maybe they feel like they're okay with crying, the response that they have, the things they say, and the actions they take do not coincide with that opinion that they think they have. And I'm going to link an episode in the show notes of three ways that we unintentionally stop the crying because I don't think, I don't think we're necessarily thinking like, I need to stop the crying, although that's what I thought. <laughs> so if that's you, that's okay. Um, I think that's just something that at least I felt like as a new mom, that was my job. You know, like our baby cries. We need to figure out why they're crying. Are they hungry? Are they tired? Are they sick? Are they teething? Are they <laughs> this or that? And we need to stop it. Like we need to fix it. And while crying, especially or when kids are little, is often because they may need a basic need met, babies also can cry just because they need to process things. And I think that is not something that anyone talks about, at least that I ever heard it being talked about. But so many times when people will tell me their baby was colicky or is just like they had to bounce them or shush them or like all this stuff, I always ask, did you have a traumatic labor and delivery? And traumatic doesn't need to be like you started bleeding out or you need an emergency C-section or something. It could be that you were really stressed out or like when you were 
um, having contractions, your body, like you just felt like your body was stressing out so hard, like all your muscles were flexing and you could not calm down. Um, childbirth in general is like a stressor, right? It's not like, I mean, for the large majority of people, it's not like this calm, you can create a calm space, but there's still a lot of work to be done. So whether it's stressful physically or just mentally or both, like there is still that factor. It could be like you were pregnant, maybe you had a pregnancy loss. And so this pregnancy, you're really anxious about it or nervous about it. It could be like that didn't happen to you, but you're still concerned about it. Or you're just maybe a more anxious person and that amped up during um, pregnancy. Like babies can recall things from the womb. Obviously, they're not like thinking in their mind about that, but their, their brain knows it. And so sometimes when all our babies' needs are met and they're still crying, it's because they need a process just like we do just like our older kids do. And so I just say that because a lot of times when we're trying to calm them down, especially as babies, because they can't like talk through things, you know, um, we will use a nook or maybe they suck their thumb or learn to, um, or, you know, any way that a baby calms down is usually from their mouth, generally speaking. Obviously there's other ways like swaddling and holding close and, you know, skin to skin and that sort of thing. But most of the time, we are either like nursing or using a bottle or a nook or their fingers or something, and that is soothing them. The thing that we need to be aware of, especially as a child gets older, is are we utilizing that tool when they're crying, like immediately? So does your child cry, and then you give them a nook to calm down, and then they stop crying? Because when we do that, Yes, our child is calming down in the moment, but they aren't expelling those feelings that they were trying to get rid of through the crying. So those feelings are getting buried back inside. And then as they go about their day, more hurts are going to come on, whether they're intentional or not. Like kids could see like, oh, my brother took that toy from me. That can be a hurt. You know, it doesn't have to be these huge traumatic instances that cause a a hurt for your child. But when they have them, they need to process them. And at that little of an age, they haven't been like susceptible to what society says or maybe like outside forces like school or or other daycare that have these um, like consequence reward systems. And so they just start to cry to expel it because that's what our body was created to do. But as we put the nook in immediately we're stopping the process and they're beginning to realize, oh, the feelings are starting to come out. I need to push them back in. So whether that's a nook or their thumb, and I think that's why I sucked my thumb. I sucked it for a long time, you guys, a long time, (laughs) like fifth grade. I mean, not like all day or anything. I hit it very well, but like that's a long time to suck your thumb. A long time. <laughs> like, I don't know if I should, I, feel, I should feel kind of embarrassed for saying that. <laughs> but I think it's because, and now recognizing, like, as I was going through all of this behavior stuff with my oldest, I recognize that I am a highly sensitive person. So not only was I, you know, like shoving down the feelings, but I was also trying to behave really well. I was more of like a perfectionist. I mean, wanting to do things right all the time. 
And then I had the highly sensitive piece. So I think there were so many things that were impacting me to a deeper level that I wasn't letting out. And I was just shoving back in by sucking my thumb. I mean, my parents tried everything. They like painted my nails. So I went, I would suck the polish right off. Like we tried gloves. I mean, so many things. And I eventually just stopped. But, um, if your child is stuck on sucking their thumb and they're doing it in other times than just to like fall asleep or like if they're zoning out at a TV show or something, that might be an indicator to you that there's feelings that they need to release there. And it's going to be trickier when they suck their thumb, right? Because you have to hold their hand down. (laughs) Like with a nook, you can just put it in your pocket. Um, but just being aware of how are they using, like, how are they sucking their thumb? Are they doing it when they start to feel upset and then they're using that to self-soothe? Because while it isn't a problem for us to recognize what strategies help us calm down, it is a process or a problem when we haven't gone through the process of actually working through those big feelings and emotionally processing them before we implement comp- or, um, calming strategies. And the same thing with a nook. So what I would suggest you do especially if your child has a nook, because this will be a little bit easier for you. But when your child begins to cry, don't give them the nook. Let them have the feelings. When they start to calm down and you know the crying is pretty much ending, then that's where you could reintroduce the nook if you want to. Um, You know, like if it's before bed or something. Um, Or, you know, you might have to hold your child's hand down so they aren't sucking their thumb until they've worked through the feelings. And this is really important because the more they continue to put the nook in when they're crying or suck their thumb when they're crying and stop it, the more they're going to be burying inside and the more they're going to need to let it out. And if you're not doing this regularly, you're going to see it come out in behaviors. Um, Maybe your child is really especially whiny or just like trying to control all the situations like you have to do things in a certain way or else they get set off. These are key signs that your child has feelings sitting right there on the surface that they need help releasing. So for kids who suck their thumb or use a nook, that means keeping that that strategy, that thing away until they've worked through the feelings and then re-implementing it. So it doesn't mean you can't use it. I mean, I use nooks. I think it's handy in the middle of the night. Like, yes, I could probably do listening sessions and, and move on. <laughs> But sometimes when we are in the trenches, in the thick of it, we're tired, we just want a quick solution. In some moments, that's, you know, go ahead, do that. But like during the day, if you have the opportunity, allow your child to work through some of those feelings so that they can move on and they don't actually use these as like a crutch to bury their feelings. Um, so I don't think there's a problem with using them. I think it's paying attention to how they're being used. So if you have any more questions on that, I would love for you to reach out to me, um, and let me know. I love to help you with any questions. There's also always a, um, link to like a Google form where you can, um, submit any questions that you have, whether it's about this topic or any behavioral topic. And I would be happy to answer that for you. Um, and if you have any topic ideas, like if there's something you're like, I've listened to your episodes, I've looked through them and I haven't heard of an episode on this topic, but that would be really helpful. Like, please let me know. I would love to hear from you. You can also, um, leave a 
rating or review, which I would really love. It helps me to know that these topics and these things that I'm sharing with you are resonating and they're helping you. And like bonus, it helps other families to find the podcast so that they can begin implementing these strategies. And that's the whole point. I want as many families as possible to know that there are strategies out there that can be empowering and connecting while still requiring specific things from your kids. We don't need to be permissive, but we don't need to be so harsh either. We can parent in the middle where we're connecting, but we're still holding firm boundaries. And I want parents to know that. And I also want people to have the information so they're not constantly feeling in this state of chaos and overwhelm so they can understand where their child is coming from so the child can feel understood. And so you can actually help your child work through these behaviors, getting to the root cause and helping them through it in a way that feels good, that you're not going to go to bed saying like, oh, I wish I went to sat through that tantrum with them. (laughs) You know, like you're never going to do that. And these are lifelong strategies that can be utilized forever. So I would love if you would be willing to just scroll to the bottom of this podcast and leave a rating or a view. It takes like one minute. I never knew how easy it was. I did not know it was right there, but it is. So if you feel led to do that, please, please, I would be so appreciative. And yeah, if there's anything that you want me to talk more about, please let me know. I would love to create an episode on any topic that you are really interested in for you so that it can hopefully be a blessing and help you with whatever you're working on. So until next week, I hope you guys have a great weekend and that this encouraged you today. Real quick before you go, if you felt encouraged and inspired by listening to this show, I'd love for you to leave a rating or review over at Apple Podcasts so we can spread the word to help other mamas feel less alone and find beauty in the behaviors. You can also take a screenshot of this episode, share it over on your Instagram stories and take me at Kaylee Josiah and we'll all do a little happy dance together. I love nothing more than to cheer you on along this journey. This work is so hard, but don't forget, God has not only called you to it, but he has equipped you for it. Now go get connected. I'll see you next week.